Well, Pastor Katie Ars is the creative pastor at Journey Uniting Church, where she's been for around five years. And uh, Katie and I have known each other since year eight. We went to high school together. We were in the worst house in our beautiful high school. And, um, and she has a background in communication, in public relations, and of, of course in worship and the creative arts, which she's just a guru. Uh, the thing about Katie is that she brings every message. She's an incredible communicator, and you're going to love this in a second. But she brings every message out of a heart of deep prayer and a sense of, I will bring praise to God. I will bring praise to God. That's at the center of every message Katie brings. And so often she speaks from the Psalms when she's worship leading because that's, this, this is just a, a heart language, a song from the heart. These people, these worship leaders who have written out of their own passion and out of their own praise and out of their own struggles to say, God, in every season, good and bad, I will bring you praise. So the person you're about to hear is not only an incredible speaker, she has an incredibly high integrity in her faith walk. So I just ask that you, uh, you stand we're going to stand for our guest speakers to show some love and respect and honour and a huge encounter welcome as Katie Ars comes and joins the stage. Wow, hey. <laughs> I, will, I think I will speak from up here because it's probably better. I'm sorry, Jen. Let's look at Jen's muscles. Look at that. Hey, girl. Very good. How you doing? Wow. So we... <laughs> We've just moved into our own church building and I've got all these new lights. And so every Sunday I'm on the stage and I look at the I just did it then. And I look at the lights and I'm like, oh, my eyes. I literally cannot see anyone. So I'm just going to deal with my life and that'll be great. So I'm just going to pretend that you're all super into whatever it is that I'm saying. Can we agree to that today? Yeah? You want me to swap? Try is that, that better? Yeah. Fine. EQ me. So... We're talking about relationships and dating. I love this. I love that you had the courage to have this series because um, we need to get this stuff right. You look at the divorce rate, you look at the amount of people in dysfunctional relationships, the amount of people who don't have somebody who has the courage to speak truth into this area of our lives. And so I'm excited for this. I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing and I really hope and pray that you're going to lean in today. Is that okay? So here's what we always say, um, what I always say, and everyone just blindly goes along with it because that's what being a pastor is all about. Am I right? <laughs> is that, you know, you've got to draw out the word. You've got to affirm the word. You've got to, if you want a great sermon, you want to learn something, you've got to lean in, open your heart and invite the Holy Spirit's inspiration, yes? It's not me. Who, I don't want to be sitting here pouring words out of my mouth because literally who cares? But if by my scholarship, my prayer and my perspective, um, the Holy Spirit can use that to speak into your context and situation, well, that's what we want. Amen? So can we just quickly pray? Um, if you feel comfortable, maybe just open up your hands. We do that as a sign of surrender and openness, ready to receive, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit spirit to do what he does father god i ask that according to your word lord you will increase and i will decrease father we pray that you will use your word to inspire to provoke to challenge and to heal in this place tonight so father you speak and we will listen we lay aside our preconceptions we lay aside our attitudes we lay aside our history father and we just say hey if there's something that i can learn tonight father i'm up for it are we up for it in Jesus' name? Say amen. So good. So um, Mike said to me yesterday, hey, I hope you're going to um, share some of your dating horror stories. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to because not, some, some of them are just not PG-13. And some of them also, I don't know if that would actually help you want to lean into anything that I would say. But I was thinking of a few and I remember, 
One of the first um, dates I was asked to go on, I desperately did not want to go on. I just was like, ah, what do I do? But I was raised in a good home and so when somebody asks you to go to something and asks you on a date, you say, yes, thank you. It was this really tall guy. He was six foot seven and skinny like a bean and um and uh, it was just awkward talking to him like I wore high heels but I'm still like yes I really can hear what you're saying and we went to Amalfi in the city and um it, yeah sure um I was too traumatized to enjoy it anyway at the end of the meal he goes up um and he spends the whole entire meal telling me how he's sick of being the friend I'm sick of always being the friend and I'm like oh um because I didn't even want to be friends with him, if I'm being really honest. It's not that I didn't like him, just like, you're just not my people, it's fine, you're too tall, I don't know how to relate to you. And um, anyway, uh, and so he goes up to pay, and he doesn't have any money. And then he turns to me and says, do you mind paying, because my card's not working. I says, I think my pay didn't go in in time. So I ended up having to go on a date with this crazy tall guy who I had no connection with whatsoever, and then having to pay for the privilege of doing it. It was the, it was the worst. I had another date that I went on um, where this guy had asked me out probably once a week for six months, and he would literally brag to his friends within my earshot that he was just going to wear me down, and that he did, and eventually I was like, oh my gosh, fine, I'll go on a date with you. We went on the date, and I didn't, I was really nervous, even though I didn't want to go on the date, and um, we went to Rundle Street and we went to that Greek restaurant and I, I was so nervous I didn't want to eat anything so I just ordered a Greek salad and he said to me, oh thank God you ordered a cheap meal and I was like, ah, oh. we dated for a while, he really knew how to show I had another guy that I dated for a while in England and, um, and he said to me, hey, I'm in love with you and I want to marry you. And I was like, oh, wow, this is getting real. And, um, and he said, but listen, I don't do long-distance relationships and I'm moving to Sweden for a couple of years and there's a girl there, Emily, that I've been dating for a while and I really like her, so I'm going to see her while I'm in Sweden. But when I get back to Sydney, I want to marry you and I want you to come and live with me. And I was like, oh, be still my beating heart. <laughs> I was like, what is that? One time I went on a holiday to Turkey on my own and um, I ended up dating the bartender from the hotel I was staying at. And I remember going on this car trip with him to weirdly meet his family after three days of knowing him. And I remember just going, I'm, this is how, like, I'm going to be dead. Like, he's going to drive me to the Turkish mountains and I'll be disappeared and that'll be it. And I'll be one of those people on the news that they've never... So, anyway, I'm madly texting my friends in England going, hey, I'm with this guy. I'm staying at this hotel. This is his name. And if you don't hear from me in three hours, call Interpol because I'm going to be dead. I didn't die. Anyway, whatever. I had another guy who I was in love with who was like, hey, <laughs> anyway, I've got some skin in the game is what I'm saying. My mother-in-law's here too. Sorry, mother-in-law. My relationship with Callum was sublime and beautiful and you raised a beautiful young man who took me on all the right dates. So that's good. Anyway, so I want to talk to you about dating and how to do relationships well. And even if you are married or you have been in a long-term relationship, I hope that you will lean in because these principles are timeless and they are from Scripture and they will help you thrive and flourish in this beautiful, natural place that we find ourselves in and wanting to be part of. We are created in the image of God and God himself exists in relationship. He is the triune God, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He exists in relationship relationship he created us out of that same relationship and we are designed for relationships so wanting relationship desiring relationship is a very natural part of the human experience but it is not the boss of our human experience amen, amen. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath 
Anyway, so I want to talk to you about three things that I think are going to be helpful for you to consider when it comes to dating and relationships, even if you have been in a relationship for some time. Because um, as a pastor, so Callum, my husband and I, um, run the young adults at our church as well. And um, over the course of doing that and over the course of just years and years of church life and ministering and whatever else, and I'm sure Wardrop has a few of these stories as well, we have a lot of younger people come to us and tell us stuff. There is literally nothing you could ever say to me that would shock me anymore. Like nothing. Not Think of the most shocking thing you could possibly tell me and I'd be like, meh, I'm going to get a good, I don't know, I'm good. You want to, like, cool. There's nothing you could say to me that would shock me. But there are a common thread. There are recurrent issues that people present to us. And it's not just young people, to be fair. It's people of all ages. So I want to just touch on a few of them and give you some thoughts that might be helpful as you consider yourself in the context of relationship with God and relationship with others. Is that okay? Fantastic. If you're taking notes, this is the first point I want to make to you. Dating well. Dating well starts with being a true disciple. Dating well starts with being a true disciple. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is being asked questions. And somebody comes to him and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor and as yourself. And then he goes on to say, All the law... And the prophets hang on these two commandments, meaning everything about everything that matters in this life hangs on these two things, loving God with your heart, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Everything, everything that matters in your life will flow out of these two things, and where these two things find expression in your life. When I met my husband, I actually knew my husband like almost my whole life. Um, but we kind of, I was a bit of a serial monogamist in my 20s and Cal was having the year of Cal and doing whatever he was doing. Anyway, we eventually found ourselves single at the same time and I ended up having been brutally, oh, this is great. I was broken up with horribly and um, didn't know, literally didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, holy mother of mercy, you've wasted four years of my life. Now I'm dumped and just, you know, destroyed. So I just, you know, picked up the shreds of my dignity and decided to go to another church where nobody would know that I was, you know, whatever. And there was Callum wearing his grandfather's navy blazer and a pair of um, white and blue cotton seersucker pants playing the trumpet. And I was like, damn. Um, I was not like that. That's not how to get the girls. Anyway, but I was like, wow, that's Callum Miles. He's hot. And um, anyway, and that's how when I first saw him and I walked into this church because I was trying new churches because I needed to not be anywhere where the other guy was. That's a great dating tip. If you break up with someone, that's it. Finished. No closure conversations. No let's be friends. Just cut, break the wrist, walk away. It's done. Anyway, so um, I got to know him over time. And this was the thing that I initially fell in love with with Callum. I was so super attracted to how devoted he was to God. He was a Christian before he was anything else. He was a servant of God before he was anything else. And the other thing that made him so attractive to me was because he didn't need me. And he wasn't really noticing me and what I was doing, what I was kind of like desperate, like, I've been rejected. I need someone to make me feel better about myself, Um, which was the inner monologue. Outside, I was like, oh, my gosh, praise Jesus. So great to be at the journey. Inside, I was like, oh, validate my existence, quick. I've had a very difficult few months. 
he didn't need me. He had a fantastic life. He was doing great and he was growing and he was serving and he was doing great things as a man of God. And so like when I met him and I saw that, I was like, wow, look at that guy go. And I'm, I'm genuine in saying that. I was so impressed. He was in youth leadership. He ran a small group. He was always the person who spoke to new people first and welcomed them. He'd gone and done missionary work. Amen. All the pretty girls got spoken to by Callum when they visited church. Not anymore. <laughs> he was like God's go-to guy. He was literally, that's how I used to describe him to my mom. I was like, I think he's like God's go-to guy because he always seems to be the guy that people go to for anything to do with anything to do with God or the church or serving the kingdom. To the point where when we were dating, I was like, is there not anyone else who could tag in for this situation? Why do you always have to be the person doing everything? To which he said, well, babe, I just serve where I'm needed. Christians, am I right? Seriously. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I just serve around unneeded. And he didn't stop serving when we started dating. If anything, he did more. He served more and he loved God and he didn't stop growing because of our relationship, but he pushed harder because he had me in his life and he wanted to honor God and honor me in that and knew that honoring me in that required him honoring God first and foremost. Matthew 6 and 33, six, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And this was a man who I fell in love with, watching him seeking first the kingdom of God in the midst of great difficulty and personal tribulation in his own life, but getting after the things of God, loving God with his heart and soul and strength and loving people as he was loving himself. He wasn't perfect, but the orientation of his life, the trajectory of his life was one of, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ before I am anything else. And he didn't need me in that. I couldn't add any value in that because that was his position that he was contending for in Jesus' name. This is who I am. This is the space that I occupy. Yes? And so, you know, he wasn't like um, a sad girl at a tea dance in the 60s waiting to be asked by some handsome guy. He wasn't. He was just out on the dance floor killing it. And I walked in going, wow, yes, queen, I want that. Amazing. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The metal of your faith, the contribution of your life will be tested when your hopes and dreams don't match up with the current reality. Which is when our ability to stand and say, can I truthfully say that I am about seeking God's kingdom first above anything else? Because when things don't start to line up and my, my ducks are not all in a row, where do I go? Do I diminish? Do I retreat? Do I get bitter? Do I get angry? Do I feel entitled that my hopes and dreams aren't currently being fulfilled? Or am I just about seeking God and letting everything else fall into place? Because all the law and the prophets hang on the position that the first two commandments will find in our life and in our thinking. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the things will be added to you. So like I said, being and desiring relationship, particularly romantic relationship, it's not wrong and it's not bad. It's normal and natural and a beautiful part of who we are and it helps us to understand better who God is to us. Honestly, amen. Think of somebody, okay, let's be mean for a little minute. Think of someone in your life, you're like, how on earth did you find someone to marry you? It's like, I remember when I was single and feeling very self-righteous and whatever, I'd be like, seriously, you're married and I'm not? What is this? You know, and they probably got married when they were like 18 and I've got 17 kids by the time they're 20. And, you know, like paid off their mortgage by the time they're 35. And I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> anyway, 
But the problem comes, guys, when we start to elevate our desire for romantic relationship over our love for God. Because that desire in us is so deep and it is so strong that we can start to mistake that for what fulfillment actually looks like. But when Jesus was asked, what's the most important things that we could ever possibly consider and live our life by? He didn't say, oh my gosh, make sure you marry a hottie because everything's going to be peachy if you do that. He said, seek first my kingdom. He said, love me with everything you've got first and everything else will fall into place. The metal of that will be tested. The truth of that will be tested in your life over and over and over again because we all know that life doesn't always play by the rules. Amen? So who you love first, who you love more, but we elevate our desire for romantic relationship because we've believed the lie that unless somebody is romantically inclined towards us, we're not worth anything. What am I going to put on Instagram? I don't have kids yet. Jeepers. Ain't nobody there taking a photo of me at a flower crown in a festival going, oh my gosh, just hanging out with this dope. (laughs) Just casually casual being like totally woe. But do you hear what I'm saying? Dating well starts with being a true disciple. You need to be about God's business. You need to be about God's kingdom because no person is ever going to be able to call you and draw you and position you and grow you like the Holy Spirit of God. And he has placed you in time, in this moment, because you have a contribution that only you can make. And so you need to be about that first so that you're not knocked off course or distracted or diminished by a relationship which you have elevated over the commandment of God to position yourself in relationship with him and in, in, in his kingdom, loving the world that he created. Who loves an, who loves an easy word? Amen. Amazing. I um, have seen so many, so many people in church disappear once they get in relationship. They've waited for it so long. They've been church hunting. They've gone to every freaking Ignite that's ever happened. And they're just like cruising all the Christians. Like, where's someone single? And I get it. And I actually applaud that. I salute that. Put yourself in situations where you can meet new people. Go to a singles group. Get online. Wherever works. But don't just sit on your, you know, sorry bottom at home going, why does nobody ever? Just get out there. So go to Ignite. Praise God. And like worship God. Slash do what you need to do. But anyway, I've seen so many people get into relationships and they're gunning for God. And this is not a common story. This is not an original insight, but I will say it because it happens time and time again. And you will see someone find themselves in a relationship and it's like, poof. It's like the love has just made them spontaneously, poof, disappear. And you're just like, wait, what? Where'd they go? Where'd that youth leader go? Where'd that small group leader go? Where'd that person from the worship team go? Oh, well, you know, they're just in a relationship now. They just really need to prioritize relationship because the church is a threat to my relationship and anything that takes um, my partner away from me because um, our relationship is so important. Um, we need to be really, really careful that we don't let anything become more important than our relationship because the best gift we can give to each other is that our relationship is really great. And so we just need to be really careful with our time because we both work full time and we're studying. And so like, it's a it's really important that the church doesn't steal my boyfriend. I hate that I'm right about this. I literally hate that I'm right about this. I've seen people on a trajectory into ministry, into a great calling, into spaces and circles of influence that I could never possibly hope to occupy. And then they get in a relationship with somebody who pulls them away or distracts them or shames them or um, guilts them for loving God first and for seeking first the kingdom of God. And they disappear and it's not okay. It's not okay. Um, When we got married... Mike was one of our, uh, I was about to say bridesmaids. Mike was one of our bridesmaids. (laughs) 
And, um, and we asked, um, we asked uh, for people to ask some of our friends to come and pray for us and bless us after we'd made our vows. Mike was one of those people. He prayed a solid 7 out of 10. Like, it was a solid wedding prayer. Look, for someone wearing a suit... You did well that day. Um, anyway, and then he was followed up by my best friend from England, Kate Awellen. And she had um, prayed this most phenomenal prayer. And Mike still references it today, saying there's nothing like being showed up in prayer by a tourist. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, and Kate got praying to us and she started praying, you know, God, I pray that they will become together greater than the sum of their parts. Meaning that when God is involved at the center of your relationship, it's not me plus you equals we're happy and personally fulfilled and isn't that great and we can just jump on the gram and everyone can validate our happiness forever. But it's about me plus Callum plus God equals something um, insurmountably greater than we could ever have hoped to achieve on our own. But it comes from that place of being established in relationship with God and with the deep and abiding love and respect for and honouring of your creator God and positioning yourself in spaces where you will be seeking his kingdom first above your own preference, above your own dreams and desires because you're saying, God, I know that what you have for me is greater than anything I could imagine for myself. Therefore, when two come together, what I want to be seeing and what you should not settle for less than is that together you will do greater and you will go further and you will grow deeper and stronger and more purposed in your life and in your faith and in your discipleship as you relate together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God. Dating well starts with being a true disciple. Here's my second thing. Dating well means choosing not to be afraid. Everyone say afraid. Afraid. It means not being afraid. Dating well means not being afraid. I'll tell you what I mean by this. We live in a world of FOMO, amen? Fear of missing out. We also live in a world of FOBO, fear of a better offer. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know if I choose that, will something better come along and I don't know what to do and I don't want, I'm going to miss out and I'm going to get a better offer and I just don't know what I'm going to do. FOMO and FOBO. It's a fear-based currency of life where it's just like you've got to have enough public validation that you're on the right track and that you're happy and attractive and wealthy and all the things that we need to be in order to be happy because we know that everyone who is rich and attractive is is happy, read every celebrity who turns 27, Um, the cursed age, am I right? God bless them. Anyway, we live in a world that tells us that you're not going to be happy unless you're in love, you're not going to be happy unless you're wealthy, that you're not going to be happy unless you're full and free, freely able to just pursue whatever it is that you want whenever you want to do it. Because do you, boo, and what you want is what's up. Like nobody can tell you what's up. You live your life the way that you want. It's your truth. It's your life. It's your this and it's your that. And so, and we start to believe this. And after a while, it's just like, oh my gosh, there's not enough people telling me that I'm amazing. Um, And I'm entitled to this. And I need that love story in order to be happy. I need my happy ending. Oh my gosh, what is Netflix for other than when you want to indulge yourself and watch romantic comedies when you're feeling depressed about your life? Praise God. You still do that when you're married, by the way. You're not off the hook there. (laughs) But I see way too many people settling for less because they're afraid to wait for something better. So dating well means not being willing to not be afraid, choosing not to be afraid. Um, I remember um, when I was, at my, I was at my church 
and there was this guest preacher coming and she was like about five foot nothing and had hair that was like as tall as she was. It was crazy. She had never met me before. We didn't know each other. And I felt compelled to go down the front to this altar call. And I was in this relationship, the one that ended up like throwing me into Callum's arms. He's my rebound skank, as I always like to say. I married my rebound. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I went down the front and I kneeled and she came up to me, no reference, never met me before. And she said, you are holding on to something so tightly in your hands and God wants to give you something better, but he can't give it you because your fists are clenched and you're holding so tightly onto this thing that you know you should be letting go of, but you're too afraid. And that thing was my relationship. I had no peace about it, but I was terrified that if I broke up with this guy, no one else would want me. And then I dated the next guy, also a terrible relationship. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't break up with him for a long time, not even with both my parents, who would never normally do this, saying, babe, we really think you need to break up with this guy. He's not good for you. And I was like, shut up. You don't know my life. You know? I was like, "Ah." And I stayed in a stupid relationship that I shouldn't have been in that was making me diminish. I ended up on antidepressants because of this relationship stressing me out so much. And I was too afraid because I was terrified that nobody else would want me. And so I ended up settling for something less than what God had for me because I wasn't willing to seek God first. I wasn't willing to love God more. And I wasn't willing to trust that he was able to do immeasurably more than anything I could ask, think, or even imagine according to his power at work within me, Ephesians 3.20. And um, that was what happened to me. And this person came and the Holy Spirit gave her inspiration and said, you need to let go of this so that God can give you the better thing. I was at a prayer meeting the next week and I got the same very psalm. Um, There was a psalm that sort of says a similar thing and this girl who had no idea sort of said, I just feel like God's got this psalm for you and it's about you letting go of the old so he can give you the new. And I'm like, ah, shh, stop listening to my life. Stop it, I can't do this. But our world today tells us that personal fulfillment looks like you being blissfully, happily, romantically engaged. But we all know that relationships are hard and are challenging and people are divorcing and relationships are toxic and everything's everywhere. But somehow in the back of our minds, we're like, I'll be happy if, I'll be happy if, just that day when my picket fence will come. You know, and so then all of a sudden you've got Jesus knocking on the door saying, hey, hey you, you with the romanticalness. Hey, how about you pick up that cross, carry it on your back and come follow me. And you're like, what new phone? Who's this? I'm just, I'm busy having special feelings for someone over here. Stop it. You're wasting. Don't kill my vibe. And Jesus is like, I need you to deny yourself. I need you to pick up your cross. I need you to come and follow me. I need you to trust me with your life. And you're sitting there going, but I just need to have this romantic validation. Otherwise I won't be fulfilled and I won't be happy. And we're so afraid that we settle for less than what God has for us because we are not entitled to the happy ending. As a Christian, you are not entitled to happy, happy, joy, joy, peace, peace going forward. You know what? You're promised in Scripture. Jesus promised you trouble. He promised that it would be hard. He promised opposition and oppression for your faith. He said that that was what was going to happen. He never said, oh my gosh, everything's going to be amazing. You're going to date some super hottie, get married, have three kids, private school education, you know, the occasional European trip. You have a great church with great pastors and it's just going to be so low maintenance. You're just not even going to know yourself. He says, love me. Seek my kingdom, love my people, serve their needs. Trust me with your future. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and come follow me. 
That's what Jesus says. It's a hard word, but we must never fall into the trap of thinking that we're entitled to something because we're white Western Christians who've had a pretty easy shot of it. Too much Instagram, not enough word of God equals superficial entitlement, which is going to rob you of your, I've lost the word. What is it when you're feeling fulfilled, satisfying? It's not going to satisfy you. It's not going to satisfy you. We don't have the right to anything other than salvation in Jesus Christ. And we only have that right because he bought that privilege for us with his own blood. That's what we're entitled to. Anything beyond that is whatever it's going to be. You can make choices in that. You can have hopes and dreams in that. And that's beautiful. But at the end of the day, you are not entitled to the romantic happy ever after. But you are commanded to go into all the world and be God's disciples and to witness and testify to the person and power of Jesus Christ. That's what dating well looks like. It's not being afraid to get after the things of God and not being afraid to hold out for the better thing that's going to help you flourish and go harder and deeper into the kingdom of God. Find your confidence in God. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament writes to the church in Philippi and he says this beautiful thing. He says in uh, chapter 4 from verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. He's just had a terrible time of it. He's just listed all the terrible things. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, because I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all this. I can navigate all seasons through Christ who gives me strength. I'm not necessarily going to like them. Neither is my right, neither is my punishment, but my contentment comes in the person and power of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I don't need somebody in my life to compensate for some perceived need or vulnerability or weakness that I have. I don't need to date somebody to make up for what I perceive I lack in myself. Amen? Better to be single than to be in a relationship that is not purposed in God. Better to be single than to be diminishing in your calling, in your purpose, in your passion, in your inspiration, because there is someone taking you away from God's call from your life. So dating well means not being afraid, and it means not being afraid to be on your own. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Trust God is able. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and go follow Jesus Christ, and let's see what that adventure turns out like. I think Mike mentioned in his talk on singleness, you know, singleness is not celebrated in our culture. You get engaged, woo, you get married, woo, even bigger presents, you know, you get in a relationship, oh my gosh, so many likes, wow, Facebook a fish, whoa. Um, but nobody says, oh my gosh, you are killing it on your own, buying that house on your own, you know, building a career, serving the church. So we don't celebrate that. And it's a pity because you can have a great, amazing life as a single person and you can do much for the kingdom of God as a single person. There is many ways that we can feel and experience contentment, but they all root and stem out of Jesus Christ. They don't stem out of who it is or isn't that, you, who it is or isn't that you're in a relationship with it. Blah, blah, blah. So, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm trying to say. Amen. All right, here's my final point. I'll close with this. Dating well means taking personal responsibility. Everyone say personal responsibility. Dating well means taking personal responsibility. Because listen to this. How you date, how you pursue relationship, 
how you engage with people of the opposite sex, how you pursue romance in your life, every part of that is going to flow out of who you are becoming. How you date, how you relate is going to flow out of who you are and who you are becoming. So we must take very careful and intentional responsibility for our heart and our character. Proverbs tells us that we must guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, is another interpretation of that. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it, is another interpretation. In other words, guard well your heart, guard well your character, lest it derail your future in relationship. Hard words today. Are we good? Are you okay? You're all right? I am far less interested in your relationship, which I'm sure is lovely and amazing and Instagrammable. I am far less interested in your relationship. I am far less interested in who you're dating or who you want to date. But I remain, as a pastor and a Christian, just deeply and passionately interested and invested in who you are becoming in who you are becoming, because everything you do is going to flow out of who you're becoming. So if you're going to have great relationships, you better make sure that you're guarding your heart with all diligence, because out of it, it's going to flow everything that you do. Meaning that there is no now excuse if you're going to bring somebody else into your world for you not to tend to your heart, to tend to your insecurities, to tend to your vulnerabilities, to tend to your past hurts and disappointments, lest you foist them on somebody else and make them somebody else's responsibility to make you feel better about. That's not a godly dating relationship. That's like, you know, making your boyfriend or your girlfriend your personal antidepressant. It's like making your, like slapping a Prozac sticker on their face and being like, oh my gosh, he makes me feel so much better about my life. What? I don't have to take responsibility for that because he calms me down when I'm upset or she pulls me back into line when I'm getting whatever. You know, that is not a godly relationship. We've got to take personal responsibility. So you need to tend to who it is that you are becoming. Meaning the question that I would invite you to ask of yourself is, is by choosing this attitude or by choosing this behavior, by choosing to do this or not do this, by choosing to look at this, to go there, to engage with this person, to do whatever, is by doing this, am I becoming more or less like Jesus? Who am I becoming? Because everything, every part of my life is going to fall out of that. Because wherever you go, there you are. Amen? I was um, dating a guy once. Dated lots of guys. Anyway. <laughs> I want you to know that I had every possible mullet until I was about 13. My mum wouldn't let me grow my hair. Then when she did, she wouldn't let me cut my sides because she thought I didn't suit great. Like, you know, basically what I'm saying is I didn't hit my stride till much later in life. Like, you were all hot and attractive and well-dressed from probably the age of about 12 or 13. I was like 27. Um, so when I say I dated a guy, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just so wildly attractive and desirable. I really wasn't. I just did a lot of dumb things. Anyway, praise Jesus. I dated this guy. Six months into our relationship, he sits me down at a restaurant and says to me, I need you to know something about my life. And I was like, sure, babe, sounds great. Um, and he said, I just need to let you know that I have been working through um, a really profound sexual addiction. And I'm like, I'm eating Thai food. Like, what do you want from me here? 
Champo. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Pass me the dumplings and I'll eat the emotions that I'm now currently experiencing. And so he said to me, I have been uh, spent the last two years getting intensive therapy and treatment to overcome a really hardcore uh, sex addiction. And I'm like, I am a pastor's daughter. I had no frame of reference for this whatsoever. I was like 23, I reckon. And I, you know, I, I just was completely shocked. I was so shocked. Like you could have picked my jaw up from the floor. Now, he said to me, I need you to know this and I need you to know that this is part of my story because it's going to affect our story and potentially our future. So I need to be honest with you about what I have been dealing with in my life because you have the right to know that this is what's going on in my life. And then he said, here are all the things that I'm doing. Here are all the things that I have done. Here are all the checks and balances in place to make sure I'm appropriately accountable, that I'm protected from things I shouldn't be looking at, and da 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 And he's like, and here are the people who are my support people. Here are my pastors, and this is what they know. Um, they're waiting for your call if you want to speak to them about this. And what I find interesting about that was that he told me all of these things. He laid himself bare. It wouldn't have been easy for him to do that. And, um, but not once did he ask me to make a single allowance for him because of his journey and his brokenness. He didn't ask anything of me in that confession. And it was profound. It had started when he turned 13 and his father said, well, it's about time for you to become a man. And for his 13th birthday, his father bought him a live feed of pornography as a gift. He wasn't a Christian. And, um, you know... It's terrible. I'm not, and he, but he never did he make an excuse. Never did he say, this is what I'm going to need you to do for me because this is going to take a lot for me and I'm just going to need the support of my girlfriend. He didn't say that. He was honest and clear about what he was doing personally to take responsibility for his own brokenness. He didn't ask anything of me in that. But he understood that there could be no relationship going forward if there wasn't honesty and accountability on that front. Now, what am I saying? I'm not saying that you can't have a story and you can't have brokenness. We are all broken, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. But we must all take personal responsibility for the things that have the potential to derail our future and also impact the people that we choose to be in relationship with. Because it's not just about you anymore, because all of you is going to affect all of me. And if you have children, think very carefully about that. How is it going to impact them? It's not just about you. There's skin in the game now. So if you want to date well, it's about taking personal responsibility for your own brokenness. Some of the things that I hear commonly that are derailing relationships, I'm just going to list these for you and you can think about them, is mental health. Unmanaged mental health or mental health that we make somebody else's problem to make us feel better about, like we make them deal with it for us or with us. And there's nothing to say you can't support and come alongside, of course. But it's when we start um, making the other person our walking antidepressant or anti-anxiety. It's not okay. Take responsibility for your mental health. Get the help that you need. Take the medication that is recommended. Go through the process that you need to go through so that you can get about seeking the kingdom of God. And find somebody in your life who can champion you in that endeavour and who won't take on, put the, take on the monkey that's on your back and put it on their back. No, 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 no. Jesus does that. Mental health. 
A relationship is not going to solve anxiety or depression. A relationship is not going to solve any problem or any lack that you have in your life. If anything, it will amplify it. So mental health, a really important one to be taking responsibility for. Number two, addictions. After I had that conversation with that person, um, we broke up, praise God. Not then though. Um, I started doing lots and lots of reading and became virtually unshockable. So I just assume now that everyone in this room is looking at porn unless you tell me otherwise. And I'm not doing that to be um, inappropriate or put something on you that's not on you. But I'm just, I just know the stats. I know what it's like. I know the world that we live in. So if you have an addiction, like I had this kid say to me, this youth kid say to me a couple of months ago, oh, I'm still struggling with porn, I'm still struggling with porn, but it's okay, when I get in a relationship, I'll stop. I'm like, are you stupid? Like, are you seriously sitting here looking at me, saying to me, being in a relationship is going to be the impetus I need to stop looking at porn, to stop looking at increasingly violent sexual images and thinking that, that somehow my dopamine and my adrenaline and all of the things that I've conditioned my brain to respond to are suddenly going to boop, disappear because I've got the special feelings. It doesn't work like that. Take responsibility. If there's a substance abuse problem or you've got that family history, my family are a bunch of drunk depressives who commit suicide, but not in my generation, in Jesus' name. But I'm aware of that and I can feel that going through my body. I can feel the addictive gene in me. So I'm very careful about a number of things that I choose not to indulge in or overindulge in because that's my thing and I'm not going to make that something that my kids have to deal with or my husband has to deal with because I need to take personal responsibility, preferably before it becomes an issue. If you have a problem with looking at pornography or substance abuse or any kind of compulsive behaviour, get some help because there is help and you don't need to be ruled by this. The third thing would be insecurities. Don't Don't make any eye contact with anyone right now because you're all beautiful, well-adjusted human beings. Insecurities. What area of vulnerability are you asking somebody else to make you feel better about? Body image, financial situation. Are you making your boyfriend or your girlfriend like make up for the hurts that you experienced in past relationships? Oh, well, I was cheated on in the last relationship, so you just better do everything I say because I need to control your behaviour, otherwise I can't feel safe. Praise God, let's go just to church and be amazing relationships. But it becomes this controlling environment where you try to control your environment by controlling the behaviour of the people in your world rather than taking responsibility for that hurt and that pain and bringing it to God and maybe getting the help that you need to work through that because it's not fair. It's not life-giving. And another big thing is communication. And all the married people said, amen. Communication. When you're dating, be upfront. Be clear. Be honest. If you're not interested, say you're not interested and do it quickly. Don't waste anyone's time. If you've got issues in a relationship, talk about them. Don't be passive aggressive. Don't do the silent treatment. Take responsibility for your communication because you have to honour God above all things. And He said, love your neighbour as yourself, which means controlling people by passive aggressive behaviour is not worthy of you. And it is certainly not worthy of Jesus Christ. So take responsibility for your communication. If there's a problem, talk about it. Be quick to forgive. If you've messed up, apologise. Have the conversations that you need to have. And you might need some extra help and you might need some counselling and you might need any number of things and that's okay. I'm a product of all of it, all the pills, all the counselling, all the friendships, all the prayer, all the everything. I'm standing here today because I availed myself of all the help that was available to me. If you want to have great relationships, if you want to date well, we need to know how to take personal responsibility. I'm going to leave you with this scripture. 
Because it can feel overwhelming and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so screwed up. I'm so broken. I'm not sure there's any amount of gold that could get into my cracks and make me beautiful again. Hebrews 4 from verse 13 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest, meaning Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Now listen, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God that we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who is inviting you to love Him the most and serve Him with everything you've got and seek Him and position yourself in His calling and His will for your lives. But He's not leaving you out on a limb saying, well, get it together, Christian. We've got people to save. He extends His grace and He extends His ambassador Jesus to say, I get it. Come to me. Approach my throne of grace. Let me love you. Let me bring you to a place of healing and acceptance because I want to put you back into the world ready to serve, ready to serve. My favourite scripture is Philippians 2, and it says, Jesus did not come to the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let us take that same approach to dating and relationships where we can present ourselves to another, ready to serve them rather than have our needs served and our needs met and our insecurities um, pandered to and our vulnerabilities covered over by somebody else's strength and diligence rather than taking that same personal responsibility that Jesus has given us every confidence that He is so willing to receive and so willing to heal. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray over every person in this room, over every family that is represented, over every relationship, over every future relationship, God, that you will be writing your story all over it. You will be writing your revelation. You will be writing your goodness, your kindness, your righteousness. And Father, I pray that above all, that you will bless the people in this room, Father, with a fresh passion to love you with their heart, soul, mind and strength and to love the world that you created. Father, to seek first your kingdom and let everything else fall into place, to approach boldly the throne of grace so that we can get the help when we need it the most. Jesus, I pray that you will um, bring the truth of this alive in the hearts and minds. Lord, I pray over every brokenness. I pray over every disappointment. I pray over every longing, every wanting. God, that you will redeem and you will build and you will position your people together facing the world that you love on their knees saying how can I serve you and I pray over every relationship every marriage in this room Father that we will continue to learn how to date each other well within marriage Lord that we will find ourselves postured in humility and graciousness to say how can I serve you husband how can I serve you wife how can I bring you closer to the heart of God and the calling of God Lord, forgive us where we have made relationships and dating a self-serving exercise. Where we've wanted to get something out of it more than we've wanted to give. And so Jesus, we ask that you will come and you will redeem our thinking, you will redeem our choosing, you will redeem our relating. That we might honour you and move forward with everything that you have intended in Jesus' name.